Um, before I get into the word this morning, though, I'll tell you where we're going to be coming from. It's Acts chapter 3. If you want to open up to Acts chapter 3, we're going to read a couple scriptures from there. And before we do get into it, I, I wanted to call up our sister, Shanette, to come on forward. And on Friday night, thank you, for Shanette, for coming on up. On Friday night, we had the fireside night for um, the newcomers to the church, people who just started coming in the past six months or so, and Shanette was here, and she shared a, a testimony about a number of things that she had, oh, you can come on up, a number of things that um, the Lord had worked uh, in divine ways in her life, and I said, you got to come and share that with, with the whole congregation, because that's an amazing blessing to hear what, what he's done, but it also, it's, it's exactly what he's been putting in my heart for where we are as a church, and what he's calling us to, to kind of move towards. So, Shanette, it's all yours. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for loving. <laughs> okay, so before I was even born, I had um, been an ex not an expiration date, but an um, execution date. Oh, yes. Abortion, yes. Yes, because um, I had a date and a time. The day that my mother was scheduled to have an abortion with me, God made me move. So and they couldn't do the process. They, so, so that was it. So, so she, she's, so that was the first time that God, um, but God, that's what I'll, that's what I'll call this. But God, um, <laughs> at two, between two and three, I was run over by a car and my skull, my whole left side from my skull to my pelvic bone was in a cast and they said that I would not be able to carry children but God. My two beautiful children are sitting back there, Jermaine Ingram and Obadiah. <laughs> um, at 12, something happened and I, I experimented with some pills and um, was completely out of it and was out for three days and the doctor had told my mother, I don't think she's going to come out of it, but God. Mm -hmm. When I was 20, when I finally heard the call of God to come to surrender my life over, I was at a, a prayer conference and we was up in the bleachers and um, I said, the lady said to me, are you, are, are you saved? And I said, no. And she said, do you, do you hear the call? And I was like, yes. So I went to go step down and it was like I was tripped, like, like I almost fell down, which I would have not been here, but God. Mm -hmm. So my thing is God has been covering me the whole time and, um, he's awesome. He's Amen. awesome Amen. and wonderful because he was taking care of me before I even knew him, mm -hmm. you know, and I, that's how I feel he is with all of us, even while we're yeah. going through the yeah. flows of life. God is awesome. Amen. So thank you for sharing my, that. That's my that's testimony. Awesome. <laughs> and so that's the reality that we live in is is that things are spoken over your life and and each one of us have our own limitations that are right in plain sight like they're glaring at us each and every day and our our tendency is to now live according to the limitations that we perceive but god 
has greater purpose and greater intentions for each and every one of us. He's called us to live no longer according to the standard, to the mediocre standard, the status quo that we're accustomed to in this world, in this fallen world. But he's called us to live at higher heights, according to higher standards, to take our expectations from, from here, from the things that we see and know we're comfortable with, to now raise our expectations because we serve a God who doesn't work just down here. His abilities are limitless, abounding so much high, higher above our understanding. And so now when we look to him, when we raise our eyes and see who he is and the way that he truly does desire to work in each one of our lives, now our expectations move from here to where he is. Let's open up to Acts chapter 3 real quick, and we're going to read just a few verses from there. And uh, this is kind of funny because last week, how many were here for uh, Pastor Dave when we had a guest speaker, Pastor Dave? Most of you guys heard that? He did an awesome, awesome job. And as I was contemplating the message that he shared with us and, and praying for, for each one of you and, and us as a church, um, I felt uh, really kind of like honed into a specific part of what he had shared with us from Acts chapter 3. You'll remember that it's the story where Peter and John are walking to the temple and they're going there at the time of prayer, just like any other day. This is 3 o'clock in the afternoon was their time to go to the temple and pray. And as they're going, they come and they're approached by this lame man who was carried there every day. He's carried to the temple door and, and sat on the ground by the side of the road to, to now beg for, for money so that he can have food to hopefully have a plate of food each day. And so as they are encounter, encounter him, this is where we kind of get to the, the climax of the story. And so this is what it says, and we can uh, start in verse 3. In verse 3 it says, When he, the lame man, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. But God, Father, we thank you so much that your abilities are limitless. I thank you that you are the one you've spoken all things into existence. And here we are, your sons and daughters living in this world that you have created. Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you, that our expectations will be defined upon who you are and not who we are in our natural selves. Speak to us, we pray this morning. In your name we pray, amen. See, I think we kind of, a lot of times we, we, we get the concept of, of what the Bible is teaching us about God, about His will for us. He's, he is love, and He wants greater things for us. That's all wonderful. But how to actually move into the place where we realize and we're experiencing His power in our everyday lives, that's where we kind of get hung up, in the application of His Word into my life. We merge these things together because so many times it's very common, his word, perfection, ideal state, and then my life. I, I love him, I see him, I worship him, I appreciate him, but it's, it's here. The things of God are here and, and I'm here. But what the Bible teaches us is, no, these things belong together. It's not, 
It's not one or the other. And so I want to I look at this story that we, we, we talked about last week in Acts 3, but let's see this with a kingdom perspective. Let's not just see this kind of from, from this perpendicular site, but like let's raise above and let's see what is God doing here? What's actually happening between Peter and John and this lame man that approached them? See, there's, there tends to be two kind of uh, people in the world, and usually we fall into one or other of the columns of these, between a realist and an idealist. You guys know the difference between a realist and an idealist? I know most of you probably do. A realist is the person who basically, they see a situation, they understand that there are going to be obstacles in the way, and that very rarely, if ever, that things play out the, the way you wish that they would have. It's a fallen, imperfect world, and every situation we deal with, there's going to be this kind of stuff we're, we're stuck with. Any realists in the room? You acknowledge that. Yeah, okay, that's good. <laughs> and then we have the dreamers. <laughs> the idealists, yeah. Idealist, um, that's someone who really envisions a world other than, rather than the real one that we're in. They see things in an ideal, or a, more of a perfect manner. And so... A lot of people consider idealists naive or ignorant or just out of touch with reality because they see things and it's all rosy and perfect. And I think that idealists tend to be the more gullible ones. As speaking from personal experience, I mean, I know I'm very gullible and I've had to learn the hard time because I like to look at things from the positive. Things We can work through anything that comes our way. Any idealists in the room? I think there's more idealists than realists. All right. <laughs> We can make it all work. It's all going to be good, right? <laughs> so now when we look at this story, where here's Peter and John approached by a lame man, and they look at him, they say, okay, here's the problem. And so they simply say, I don't have money to give you, but what I have, I will give you. And they look at him and say, get up and walk. And he jumps to his feet like it's just another normal day and just starts walking like he had been doing it his whole life. That's an ideal state. That's pretty ideal, no? And really, if the ideal was in this real world, there would no longer be any kind of sickness or pain or hurting because we could simply speak to something and say, get well, and all of a sudden, it's gone. The, the sickness is gone. It vanishes. But that's not the reality that we live in. A lot of times we pray for people and maybe they'll progressively get healthy and stronger or maybe they progressively worsen. And we don't see the answer to that pray, prayer the way that we had hoped we would. But the truth is that we can't discredit what's happening in this story. Because in this story, Peter and John looked at the man, said, I'm going to give you what I have, Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit, and said, get up and walk. And he got up and he walked. This really happened. And it happened countless times before this. And it has happened countless times since that happening to this present day even. Isaiah 35 uh, holds a prophecy where it talks about when Jesus comes. And what it says there in Isaiah 35, it says that when Jesus came, the eyes of the blind would see. It says that the ears of the deaf would be unstopped. The lame will leap like deer and a mute tongue will shout for joy. When Jesus comes, he will bring the ideal situation with him and then usher that ideal into this world. He will rush into a broken, busted-up world and speak healing and wholeness over it. This is what the, the commission was. So, And what he called this was, this is the kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of heaven. He brought it with him, and it's amongst us even now. And so the first point I want to make is this, if you're writing any, anything down, is this. The kingdom of God is where the ideal situation or the perfection moves into reality. The kingdom of God is where the ideal becomes real. Perfection is no longer a dream of people who live in the clouds and want to think that everything is nice and rosy and wonderful and there's no bad things. No, the, king, the kingdom of God is within us, Jesus says, and his will is that his kingdom in us moves about freely because we carry it with us. So his kingdom in us moves freely throughout the world, infecting the harsh reality of this world with the ideal reality of the kingdom of God. Because with, with, with Jesus, reality and perfection, they're not two separate things. They're not two separate entities. They are one. This is who he is. This is the God that we serve. And because of who he is, now opportunities are opened up for each and every one of you that had never been even an option or anything in sight or could even be talked about outside of Jesus Christ outside of the true creator of all things. So but it happens now, this ideal state kind of ushering into the world with the kingdom of heaven invading the world, it's a, it's a progressive thing. It's a progressive process. Maybe in one way we could, we could say Jesus is more of a progressive than we would realize. <laughs> but it happens as the people of God carry the will of God with the power of God into every step that they take in this world. This is how it happens. And this is what where we see Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 as they're walking. And so the scenario is this. He had, Jesus had ro- risen from the dead. So he had approached his apostles numbers of times. They rose to heaven. And now the, belie- the Spirit had filled the believers, and they were just going about their normal days each and every day going about their normal days. And this is where we find Peter and John. They're just going about their normal day. And they're just going to the temple to pray. This was nothing more special about this day than any other. And then they're approached by the layman. And here this layman was trying to survive despite the inability that he was stuck with. Despite this handicap, he's trying to do the best he can just to survive, just to care for himself. He was keenly aware of his limitations, as was everyone who walked by him each and every day. He was likely a very familiar sight. And so Peter and John, at the same time as the lame man acknowledged his limitations, Peter and John, at the same time, acknowledged their own limitations. Because they're no different from us. They had limitations too. And they said, I see, what, I see you have a need. It concerns me. I care for you. But I don't, I don't have what you're asking for. I don't, I don't have any money to give you. And so both parties acknowledged their limitations, but two different things happened because their expectations were completely different. See, the lame man acknowledged his limitations, and that was his ending point. He had gone as far as he would ever go in life because his limitations said, this is it. Your greatest hope is in life is that someone will keep carrying you to the side of the street every day and that someone will have enough compassion to put a couple pieces of change in your hand so you can have a meal. That's as far as he was going to go. Those limitations were his stopping point. But now, for the disciples of Christ, 
they acknowledged their limitations as well. They're traveling around just preaching about Jesus. They, they didn't have money to offer him, and they acknowledged that. They said it right out. But for them, they didn't walk by and said that was their stopping point. That limitation was not where they end, but that limitation was, to them, a starting point. Because they said, I can't go any further than this, but God, who works in me, whose power dwells in me, is able to do all things, and he will do it. So in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he did. See, limitations for the Christ follower is not a dead end. That's how we tend to see this. But limitations for the Christ follower is not a dead end. It's more of a fork in the road where we come and we're going to make a decision which way are we going to proceed from this point. We all have boundaries. We can only go this far. We can only be this effective, this impactful. We can only do so much at home and in our workplace. We have limitations that are set up. And that's the place where we begin to acknowledge those limitations. What now are we going to do? How are we going to approach these things? What perspective are we going to take to this fork fork in the road? Because when we come face to face with them, there's a decision to make. We're going to take the default path of the natural man and just kind of rely on our own abilities and say, well, this isn't even an option because I know myself and I know what I'm capable of. So I'm just going to go this way. There's no other choice. Or now will we open our eyes of faith and walk by the power of God, knowing who that we serve, and his ability will enable me to take this other way. Now I have options that I had never had before. He wants our eyes to be open so that we can see things we could not see before. And when we see them, now it's a matter of just rising up in faith and walking according to what he shows us not about what the world shows us. Relying on our own abilities is not something that God desires for us. But it's also not a decision that he can make for us either. We all have our own decisions to make, our free will to exercise. That's God-given. You've got your free will. And so now the decision is ours to make. Which way we're going to go and how we're going to approach every given scenario, every situation. But man, so often we're so quick, our tendency is, we see ourselves and we see limitations, and we're so quick to disqualify ourselves. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, I I don't even know what I would do in that situation. I won't go anywhere near it. We disqualify ourselves before even getting close to 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 the place of decision. And because of that, because we are so quick to disqualify ourselves, what we do is we stop our own selves from moving into the deeper things of God. Because he has greater things, and his intention and his will is to bring us into the deeper things of God. Instead of playing around in the shallow end, he's calling us to the greater, deeper things. But it happens only as we trust him. It will never be realized. It will never be accomplished with man's effort, by us trying. It doesn't happen by trying. It happens by trusting. When we trust God and take him at his will, I know for many of us in this room that the very reason that we can even sit here today is because the grace of God has brought us through things that we shouldn't even have gotten through. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, we, we, are, we are at a place in our lives, we are at a place in our lives that we never would have been were it not for the power of the Holy Spirit intervening in us. Not by anything that we did, because He chose us. He decided to work in us. I didn't decide one day, okay God, I'll let you do it. No, He had a will for you, and He carried you through every season and circumstance of life, because He has greater things. And we come to a certain point where we begin to realize and say, wow, it is only because of the grace of God. It is only because of the goodness and power of God that I'm standing here today. Now I'm beginning to see there's something more at play here than my will. There's another will and there's another power at play here, and it's His. And as soon as we begin to realize that there's more at play here, now with our eyes open, we have a decision to make. I will decide to move to the deeper things of God, and I will decide to take Him at His word. I will decide to walk by faith and live by faith, or I will thank him for what he has done and continue to walk in the status quo mediocrity of life. Or we will continue to stand and look at the grace and goodness of God and just kind of gaze on it from a distance, letting it remain two separate things. And God said, no, they don't belong apart. That's not right. That's not the way I've ordained it. I haven't set it in place for this to be two separate things. You and me, real and ideal, together. I want this together. You can do more than you are capable of because it's not you doing it. It's God alive in us doing it. His will is to usher in His kingdom hope and healing into this world. And He's doing it. But His will is to do it through you. But the enemy has these tricks. He gets in our head. And so he tells us, we can't do that. And he's right. But all he does is he gets us to look at ourselves instead of looking at the God who's trying to do it through us. He wants us to keep our eyes fixed on him. Yeah, you are a screw-up, as much as I am. Maybe a little bit better. But you are a screw-up. Yes, you do fall short. I I can tell you that right now without even knowing you because I, I know myself. And I can tell you I'm a screw-up, and I can tell you he still has me standing here breathing today because it's not my own ability. Anything good in me is only because of the grace of God. All of my shortcomings, yeah, you can look at me. I'll take ownership for that. I'll take the credit for my shortfalls. But anything good, stop looking at me because it's only because of God. And that same thing goes for each and every one of us. We have to give credit where credit is due. And so if we are quick to disqualify ourselves... God forbid we disqualify ourselves when the Holy Spirit, the divine power, is living inside of me. And I say, I could never do that. I'm discrediting the power of God inside me. We don't want to go there. God has given you divine power. He's given you His Spirit. He's deposited it in you for purpose, to be used, to move forward. But it costs it costs us this, stepping out in faith into a place where we're a little uncomfortable and sometimes very uncomfortable and sometimes shaken like a leaf. But can we keep our feet moving and, and following his call even when we're shaking? He has greater things if we will just trust him. Because when we trust him, when we use our limitations and we apply them and just trust that he's going to take over, that opens the door for him to usher in and say, okay, now I can come in. Now I can apply my power and my ability to this situation. You've done what you can do. You've trusted me and you've gone as far as you can go. You're standing on the cliff and I'm still telling you to take another step. But because you trusted me, you're stepping off the cliff and trusting that I am going to put a firm rock under your foot. And he does it every 
time. Every time God comes through, it's because of who he is. So my question this morning is this. Have you ever tested that faith? Have you ever tried it out? Just put yourself kind of out there on a limb just to see what God would do, how he would respond in that situation. Because that's exactly what Peter and John did. They saw the lame man sitting there. They saw his need and said, all right, well, I don't have money, but I do have Jesus. And they just trusted and said, get up and walk. And they did that. But Peter and John, this is what I, I want to make sure that you take this home today. Peter and John were two men that were just the same as each and every one of us in this room. There was nothing more special about them than any one of us. They were the same. They, they had no more abilities than us. And it wasn't them that healed the man. We read the story, and again, where are we giving credit? Well, they're the ones that said, get up and walk. Yes, it was. But he said, what I have, I give you. He gave them the power of Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and it was God that brought the healing, not Peter and John. And so when we move into situations that make us uncomfortable, where, where we have no ability, we, by, by natural standards, we have no business being in that situation. But God has ordained that. God has moved us into that place. We've been led into that place. And so he says, move. He says, speak. And now when, when it sounds like our voice, it's the power of God moving through you. And this is what happened to Peter and John. They saw from a godly perspective. The kingdom of heaven inside of them was infecting the harsh reality of this world. Why? Because they were willing to take, walk into their limitations and then keep going. Lean past where their limitations would go. And that's where God said, okay, thank you, we'll take it from here. And he brought in the healing. This is what he does. But it's so hard for us because of this, the situation that we're living in. Like we live in such a humanistic society that is all about mankind. Like we define our limitations. We have the ability to say how far or how, how short we will go. We, will, we learn from a young age to set our expectations according to natural things instead of according to supernatural things. We're, we're even surrounded by, by a natural world that we've been studying and observing for thousands of years, and so it's become largely predictable, right? So rather than becoming in awe and wonder of creation, we've now come to the point where we can kind of take the natural laws and manipulate them to achieve our desired results. We're able to, farmers are able to take and make larger crops, larger fruits and vegetables, or um, we, we're, we have ways to eliminate pests and weeds. Now what they're doing with cows, increased milk production, these kinds of things. We take the natural order of things, we get our hands on it and our abilities, and we manipulate it to get what we want. And so now again, our attention is not on the wonders of creation, but it's on what I can do. What can I do with it? This is where we're focusing. This is what we're looking at. The Bible says that nature itself declares the glory and the power and the ability of God. It's all there. But our eyes aren't looking at that. Our eyes are looking at our own capabilities. We're looking at ourselves. And our expectations, then, are based on what we can do, not on what He can do. Because that's where our attention is. Our expectations are going to be based upon what we're looking at. 
And because we look at ourselves far more than we look at the Father, our expectations are on what we can do in the natural. But He wants us to focus our attention on Him. And as we do, our expectations shift from natural to supernatural. What do you think it was that even made Peter and John put, put him to the test and kind of step out in faith and say, all right, God's going to do this. I'm going to trust him. In John chapter 5, 6 through 8, there's a brief story. It says here, when Jesus saw the lame man lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked the man, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm stirring to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. And here's Peter and John and the other disciples standing off to the side watching Jesus do this. Not only did he tell the disciples to go heal the sick, they watched him do it. So for them, in their time walking with Jesus and learning and soaking up everything that he showed them, they watched Jesus do this very thing. So as they are walking to the temple and they're approached by this lame man, for them, this was kind of like deja vu all over again. Like, we, we've been here. And because what they had watched Jesus do, their expectations were set upon what they saw happen. Their expectations were according to what they, their focus was on. And because it was on Christ, they did what they saw Jesus do. And the Lord came through with his power. And this is what he wants us to apply in our lives. But look at even the man's response. When Jesus stands in front of the invalid man who can't walk on his own two feet, and Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? Look at what the man said. I have no one to help me into the pool while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus is standing there in front of him, asking him, what do you want? Do you want to get well? And instantly he starts dictating and defining his limitations for Jesus. Jesus is standing in front of him, and he's explaining why he can't do it. And so often I feel for us, like what we do, rather than looking at a situation as Peter and John did, saying, I know God is able, so I'm just going to go as far as I can go, and then just trust he's going to take over. Instead of looking at it like this, we take the side of the lame man. Jesus is standing right in front of us. And what do you want? Do you want to be well? Do you want to move according to the supernatural? And like the lame man, we start saying, Oh, I'm trying so hard. I want it. I want to be well, but, but I, I, I'm trying and I've got nothing to show for it. And Jesus is standing right there saying, Do you want it? Oh, 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 but I'm, but I'm doing this and but I'm doing... It's not about what we do. It's about who is standing in front of us. He's just calling our attention. Get off yourself already and look at me. I'm trying to look you in the eye. Because once we catch a glimpse of his eye, we see his power, his holiness, his perfection. Now, now he's beginning to capture our heart. And that's where things special begin to happen. This now is where the kingdom of heaven begins to invade our hearts. And as soon as it invades our hearts, it moves into throughout the world. But it starts by catching a glimpse of who Jesus is. That's what it's all about. He's calling us to trust in his abilities. 
Trust Him in a way that causes us to do something that we would never have even contemplated on our own, never mind tried. It just make, takes looking at Him. God wants to activate His power in our life. And we give Him the green light to do that when we acknowledge our limitations and then go as far as they will allow us and take another step. So He has to come through. I'm going to close with this verse here in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Apostle Paul had been praying to God and asking for deliverance for a particular situation, and God basically said no. In verse 9, the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, you have everything I want you to have, so accept it. And then he goes on to say to Paul, the Lord says to him, My power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, what he's telling him is this, your weakness, your inability, and your limitations are doorways for me to walk in and make my power perfect in you. Accept your weakness and let it be open to me so I can rush in and apply my perfect power in your life. The weaknesses now are turned into blessings. It's doorways where the Lord can now usher in a supernatural power. But it's still a doorway, and it's ours to choose. Are we going to grab the handle and open the door, or are we going to let that door stay shut and locked and say, that's as far as I will ever go? I can't go any further, because that's a doorway, and, and I'm not going to touch it. I don't know what is on the other side. Jesus said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Accept your weakness. And now Paul, that caused Paul to say this, if you continue to read in that, in that chapter. Paul said, so I will boast all the more in my weakness because my weakness displays the power of God and that's what his will for us is. He wants to display his power in you and through you and he will do it if you will open the door. Paul said, I boast in my weakness. I'm not going to try to shield it. I'm not going to try to guard it and, and keep it hidden from, from people now. That's not something to be ashamed of. But when my weakness is there blaring and God still does things beyond my ability, that's to the glory of God. That's to the glory of God. And this, this is how His kingdom advances forcefully in this world. When we allow Him to take the reins and just follow in suit. Just follow him. Let our weaknesses be, be out there for all to see, sitting in the spotlight. Because now, when he moves in a way that doesn't make sense to the world, he gets all the credit. Not me. Not us. But God. But God gets all the credit. So this is my challenge to us this week, families, and even going forward, continue to lift our eyes from ourselves and put our attention on who God is. Because He defines who you are. He defines what you can do. But will you, allow, will you accept His definition? Will you accept His abilities? Rather than trying to define your own, will, your own abilities and what that's going to mean for you. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You so much that You are capable of so far beyond anything that we could think or imagine. I thank you, Father, that you have given us your spirit, the divine power. God, the spirit that raised you from the dead, Jesus, the spirit that you breathe into existence, all that is. God, you've given that and deposited in each and every one of us. So, Lord, help us, God, to apply that in our lives and not just think of it as this nice, sweet-sounding idea as we speak about it on our lips. 
But God, help us to experience this in our daily living. You didn't give us your Holy Spirit to sit there on a shelf and just talk about it and receive a little comfort every once in a while when we're feeling down. But you gave us your Holy Spirit to live in an elevated level of of living to invade this broken world with your healing. We are people living on mission. And our only hope is you. And we allow that hope to usher in as we open the doors, God, by accepting our weaknesses and allowing your power to take over. So let us be a people that are able and willing to tap into the power of God for the glory of God. We want you to be lifted up and high in all things. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good in this place, family. Yes, he is.